Have you ever felt the feelings of nervousness and the tense muscles before going on to present a big seminar or opening a big speech? In that case, you may have experienced the feelings of anxiety. So you might wonder, how do you best manage it? And if the anxiety feelings go extreme, what does that mean? Thank you for visiting Inquisitive Tea Psychology audio podcast channel. I'm your host, Madison. We delve into the realms of psychology here at Inquisitive Tea Psychology through informative, thoroughly researched, educational monologues, as well as interactive dialogues between knowledgeable guest speakers on the given topics. Today, we will discuss anxiety and how to best manage it. We will provide you with evidence-based strategies and tips to help you manage your anxiety. If you or someone you know suffers from anxiety and wants to learn to manage it, or if you are simply interested in learning and educating yourself about anxiety management strategies, you have come to the right place. First, we will discuss anxiety in as much detail as possible, including generalized anxiety disorder, also known as GAD. And then we will offer our best strategies for managing these feelings of anxiety. The first part of this podcast episode will address the following questions. What is anxiety? And what is generalized anxiety disorder? What are the signs and symptoms of anxiety? What is the distinction between normal anxiety and GAD? When we are threatened, anxiety is a normal and useful emotion. It alerts us and prepares our bodies to deal with the threat. It saves your life if you run across the road because a car is approaching too quickly. However, issues arise when the threat is in our minds rather than a real physical threat and when our thoughts and behaviors reinforce our anxiety rather than helping it to fade away. Fear of upcoming events is a common source of anxiety, but it can be worsened by other factors. Past traumas, for example, frequently influence how anxiety manifests in current situations. Your current situation, such as your job, location, or relationships, can be enough of a trigger to cause anxiety that isn't directly related to an event. The symptoms of anxiety may include excessive worrying, a loss of self-confidence, self-consciousness, inability to relax, dreaded irritation with others, concentration or focus lapse, forgetfulness, fear of being criticized or rejected, having nightmares and having the apprehension of being alone, or having the fear of being around people, avoidance of stressful situations, and feeling scared to face the day. You may feel emotionally drained, irritable, and tense. 
for the physical symptoms of anxiety. It may include an increase in heart rate, shortness of breath, chest pain or pressure, choking, dizziness, weakness, a dry mouth, and tense muscles. Cognitive symptoms can be fear of losing control, having poor memory, having perceptions that are not related to reality, having detachment, having confusion, and having frightening thoughts, images, or memories. Behavioral symptoms can be avoidance, escape, flight, hyperventilation, freezing, and difficulty speaking. The emotional symptoms may include feeling nervous, impatient, terrified, jittery, and frustrated. Usually, when we experience anxiety that reinforce our own anxious thoughts and feelings that are not related to reality, we can experience what's called the anxiety feedback loop. And this is how the feedback loop goes. There is a trigger, which can be real or imagined. There is a cognitive process with thoughts such as, I can't cope, something is going to happen. I feel bad, so it must be bad. And then there is a behavioral or emotional responses, such as feeling anxious and fearful, or avoiding and escaping or freezing. Then you may also experience having some physical sensations of anxiety, such as shortness of breath or sweaty palms. Then you may try to cope by doing things that make you feel better or keep you safe. And last, you choose unhealthy coping response, such as shutting down completely. You are back into your first anxiety feedback loop and you got stuck in it. So why do we often get stuck in this type of anxiety feedback loops? There are many reasons, and among them is due to our unregulated and overtly stimulated response system. Let me explain this concept in details. When you are experiencing anxiety symptoms, your flight or fight response is frequently triggered. You've probably heard of the fight or flight response. If you were walking through a jungle and a tiger appeared, you would experience intense anxiety in both your mind and body. When you are threatened, your sympathetic nervous system kicks in to prepare you to fight or flee, which is known as the fight flight response. Adrenaline is now coursing through your system. Your digestion shuts down because your energy is better spent saving yourself. Blood is diverted from your hands, feet, and skin and pumped to your major muscle groups, particularly the legs. Your heart beats faster, your breathing speeds up, increasing the oxygen in your blood. Your liver releases stored sugar into your bloodstream to give you more energy. You sweat more, your periphery becomes more visible. Your body is now prepared to flight or fight from the tiger. And in extreme situations, life-threatening or highly traumatic, 
the body has a third option, which is freeze. Most people never experience it, but if you do, remember that it is a natural, built-in evolutionary response that you cannot avoid. It happens when your anxiety level skyrockets. These symptoms are extremely unpleasant, but they will eventually go away on their own thanks to the parasympathetic nervous system. The PNS is your natural calming mechanism. With simple coping methods, you can help the PNS kick in more effectively and calm yourself down better. Now, we all experience symptoms and feelings of anxiety at some point in our lives, and that is completely normal. Without these feelings of anxiety, we would not be protective members of our society, nor would we have the coping mechanisms to detect danger and choose an appropriate method to manage those feelings of anxiety. Even though a normal amount of anxiety is common and even helpful in some situations, an excessive amount of anxiety can harm our well-being. And that excessive amount of anxiety is common in people with generalized anxiety disorder, or GAD. So, what exactly is GAD? To be diagnosed with GAD, you need to have the symptoms that last for at least six months in a row. And the symptoms may be bringing you negative impact on the patient's day-to-day life. GAD is more common in women than men. Generalized anxiety disorder is an anxiety disorder that affects 5.7% of the general population and is characterized by excessive and uncontrollable worry. GAD includes worry about specific concerns. The age of onset is usually in the early 20s. The symptoms can include restlessness and the cause of illness can include chronic family history of GAD, panic disorder, and alcohol abuse. The symptoms of GAD include having constant worries where the anxiety and the sensation of anxiety is uncontrollable. When the patient of GAD has a lot of invasive thoughts and when they are unable to cope with uncertainty and feeling as if you cannot wind down. When you're postponing things or when you feel tense and edgy and if you have some difficulty falling asleep, that could be a sign of GAD. Adults with GAD experience anxiety whenever there is uncertainty in a situation or when they are unsure about something. This is why people with GAD worry about almost anything. Almost everything in life is uncertain, so there is always something to be concerned about for people with GAD. The studies also show that GAD is the second most common disorder in primary care after depression. And due to this discovery, it has sparked renewed interest in the condition. GAD exhibits a variable pattern of prefrontal and limbic activation 
and connectivity abnormalities during facial effect processing in contrast to other anxiety disorders, which exhibit more consistent patterns of hyperactivity in regions such as the amygdala and insula. So, what is the distinction between normal anxiety and GAD? Anxiety is concerned with specific tasks, events, or assignments. Having trouble sleeping or concentration during stressful times, having physical aches and pains from a specific situation, such as working out or sitting too long, in response to a known environmental factor. And usually the symptoms of normal anxiety go away when stressor goes away. When you worry about living away from home for the first time, when you experience breakups or other important life events, you may have a very normal types of anxiety. GAD, on the other hand, is characterized by an ongoing general worry about vague, often imagined threats that interferes with daily life. Frequent difficulty sleeping or concentrating without a specific cause, physical aches and pains for more than six months without a specific cause, in response to an unknown source or in response to the experience of stress and when you experience symptoms which persist despite no identifiable stressor, they could all be a sign of GAD. Now that we've defined anxiety and GAD, it's time to talk about how to deal with them. Before we get into the useful tips for best managing anxious thoughts and feelings, let's quickly discuss poor coping strategies so that we don't fall into these common traps ourselves. The most common poor coping strategies are avoidance, procrastination, and poor problem-solving abilities. Have you ever been afraid of meeting new people? When we are overwhelmed with anxiety, we may avoid situations entirely. Some people may stay at the party for five minutes and then leave. Others may jitter and become physically unable to talk or relax. And still, others may avoid going to the social gathering entirely. While avoidance may feel familiar and even safe at first, it is not very helpful to our development and well-being. By avoiding or procrastinating things, we are only pushing our discomfort by replacing with unproductive behaviors, thus producing no realistic positive outcomes we want for ourselves. And in the example I just mentioned, it would be meeting new people and making friends, which you have now avoided yourself way out of due to this poor coping mechanism. Avoidance not only prevents us from achieving our initial goals, but it also feeds into our anxiety, keeping us trapped in our anxiety loops at all times. Avoidant and emotion-focused coping strategies have previously been linked to anxiety, whereas active and problem-focused strategies have been linked to improved health. 
emotion-focused coping is associated with higher levels of psychopathology and functional impairment, according to research. Avoidance, self-blame, venting, and rumination in particular are associated with higher levels of anxiety, depression, and distress in both non-clinical and clinical samples. We'll now move on to the second half of the episode, where we will discuss useful anxiety management strategies. If you or someone you know is suffering from anxiety, or if you simply want to learn more, stay tuned and hold on tight for this list of new and helpful information. Before we get into useful strategies for managing anxiety, we'll like to give you a list of ideas that can help. Grab a pen and paper or prepare to start writing somewhere on your phone or computer because this list will grow. Here are some general suggestions for anxiety relieving activities. Bathe, listen to music, nap, go to a body of water, watch the clouds, listen to guided relaxation, read a book, learn something new, sit in nature, move twice as slowly, wander around town, write in a journal, walk outside, notice your body, eat a meal in silence, coloring, read or watch something funny, engage in a small act of kindness, put on some music and dance, read poetry, practice gratitude, do a social media or digital detox, find a relaxing scent, call a friend, take deep belly breaths, drive somewhere new and pet furry pets, exercise, watch your favorite TV shows, play musical instruments, paint your nails, sing, bake cookies, send letters, call or talk to your therapist. And lastly, try to carry out your plans. Now that you've learned some of the short-term strategies for anxiety relief, it's time to dig deeper into the useful strategies for anxiety management. Strategy number one, write it all down. When it comes to anxiety management, writing has many advantages. It is estimated that the average person has over 6,000 thoughts per day. And if you suffer from an anxiety disorder, many of your daily thoughts will most likely be anxious. Writing down your feelings in a personal journal can help you process them in a healthy way. That creative outlet will allow you to express yourself in a safe environment while also reflecting on your personal growth. Spend about 10 minutes writing down everything you're worried about. When you write down your concerns, they become less frightening and you won't have to think about them for a while. If you find yourself worrying again, see if the source of your concern has already been documented. If it isn't, write it down. Alternatively, if a worry arises, instead of fighting it, notice it, name it. For example, I am worried about a big presentation coming up. 
and let it go. I'll now give you some of the best writing prompts for in times of anxiety. Number one, write about something truly important in your life, such as a meaningful relationship, children, friends, or your health. Number two, something you discovered today. Make a list of something positive you discovered about yourself today. It could be something you already knew, but it became clear to you today. Number three, make a note of something you learned about someone else today. Again, you may have been aware of this quality before, but you were more aware of it today. Number four, write down a fact you learned today and that piqued your interest or made you more aware of the world in a different perspective. Number five, make a list of what you accomplished today. Number six, something that made you feel happy today. What caused you to laugh or smile? Number seven, what was the smallest yet the most beautiful thing you saw today? You can use these prompts to write randomly on paper or on your digital devices, or you can start to be more systematic by keeping a journal. So let us discuss journaling. You can write about your experiences in a journal or on a computer. It's a way to express your thoughts and feelings. You can keep these writings for yourself or you can share them with others. You can also immediately tear them up or delete them. It makes no difference what you do because the most important part is simply releasing the feelings and better understanding them for yourself. All you need is a piece of paper and a pen or pencil. Other items you might want to use include a special notebook, a personal computer, a video or audio recorder, crayons, or markers, stickers, and pictures. Although there is no best or ideal time to start journaling, it's essentially when you can't seem to get something out of your head. If you are feeling afraid, nervous, upset, sad, or angry about something, when you want to tell others about what's going on in your life, when you're feeling excited about something that has just occurred or is about to occur, or when you want to motivate, assist, or inspire others, you can start putting those words in your own journal. You can express yourself through writing, typing, drawing, or even speaking. Be open and truthful. And you could also consider writing about an upsetting emotional experience, especially if you haven't discussed it before with others. It is beneficial to maintain a balanced perspective by writing about both positive and negative feelings. You can discuss the lessons or things you've learned from a specific experience. What do you want for yourself or for other people going through similar experiences to know? And who knows, perhaps you or someone else may benefit from your experience. Strategy number two, 
identify triggers and problem solve them. For this strategy, you're going to have to try to identify the causes of your anxiety, and then try to identify what relieves these symptoms of anxiety. Try to maintain a record of the following. Ask yourself these questions. When and where do you experience anxiety? What aggravates the feelings? And what helps to alleviate these feelings? Follow these six steps. Number one, describe the issue in detail. Number two, consider all possible solutions to the problem. Number three, consider the advantages and disadvantages of each solution. Number four, select the best solution and test it. Number five, after you've implemented it, ask yourself, did it work? Number six, if it did not work, proceed to the next solution. Put your thoughts to the test. Choose a thought that has caused you anxiety. Gather evidence in support of and against your thought. Compare the evidence and decide whether your hypothesis is correct or not. Make use of the Socratic questioning. Examine the thoughts that are causing you anxiety. Ask yourself, is my thought based on facts or feelings? You should also ask yourself, what would my best friend think of this situation? How likely is it that my worst nightmare will come true? What is the most likely outcome? Will it matter in a week if my fear comes true? One month? A year? Five years? Ten years? Let's take an example. Consider the following scenario. If you are anxious about an upcoming presentation, think about if you are anxious because you are underprepared or is it correct that you are underprepared? What things make you feel underprepared? And how can you better help yourself to feel less anxious? Is it social anxiety that you're experiencing? Are you concerned about how you will appear in front of the audience? If so, can practicing or learning public speaking skills help? Choose the best solutions for your own needs and apply in real time. Try to evaluate if the solution worked. If it did, great. If it did not, move on to the next solution. Strategy number three, engage in self-care activities. A few examples of basic self-care activities could be maintaining a healthy lifestyle by eating regularly, avoiding junk food, limiting alcohol and caffeine intake, developing a consistent sleeping routine, and exercising on a regular basis, even if it's just a brisk walk around the block. On the more in-depth side of anxiety management, we'll like to give you some relaxation, grounding, and self-soothing techniques, which can help you deal with your anxiety symptoms on a daily basis. First and foremost, let us discuss some relaxation techniques. You can relieve your anxiety symptoms by practicing mindfulness meditation, yoga, deep breathing, progressive muscle relaxation, and 
positive visualization. We've already done an episode on meditation, so make sure to listen to that to learn more about its benefits. But for now, let's talk about each relaxation technique and what you can do in each one. Deep breathing is a simple technique for dealing with emotions. Deep breathing is not only effective, but it is also discreet and simple to use at any time or place. Place one hand on your abdomen and sit comfortably. Breathe in deeply through your nose until your hand on your abdomen rises. Hold the air in your lungs and then slowly exhale through your mouth. Lips puckered as if you're blowing through a straw. The key is to go slowly. Time your inhale for four seconds, pause for four seconds, and then exhale for four or six seconds. Doing this for three to five minutes is recommended. And now let's talk about progressive muscle relaxation. This is how it works. You can achieve a powerful feeling of relaxation by tensing and relaxing the muscles throughout your body. Furthermore, progressive muscle relaxation will teach you to recognize feelings of muscle tension, which will help you spot anxiety. An example of this is to curl your toes into your feet for a few seconds, let's say five seconds, and then let them go. Moving on to the positive visualization. Here is how it goes. Think of a place that you find relaxing. It could be a quiet mountaintop, a secluded beach, or even a loud concert. Use all of your senses to vividly imagine this setting for five to 10 minutes. Don't just think about it briefly, really imagine it and notice how your mind and the mood changes. Grounding exercises such as barefoot walking on grass, meditation exercise, and smelling relaxing scents can help you reduce the physical symptoms. Let's give you a very specific example of a grounding technique. The name of this grounding technique is called the 54321. Here is how you do it. For the five, name five things you notice around you. Recognize four things around you that you can touch. Identify three things you hear, name two things you smell, and one thing you can taste. Doing this grounding exercise will bring your attention back to the present moment, which is one of the most common techniques for dealing with anxiety. Now, let's move on to the self-soothing techniques. One of the most powerful self-soothing technique is to use what's called word of affirmations when we're feeling anxious. Examples of this could be saying these to yourself, such as, I can do this. This will also pass. I can be anxious, angry, or sad while dealing with this. I've done it before, and I know I can do it again. Although this is unpleasant, it is a normal bodily reaction. 
I can feel bad and still choose a new and healthy path. I don't have to rush. I can take my time. I've survived before, and I'll survive again. I'm feeling this way because of previous experiences, but I'm safe now. I'm not in danger right now. Thoughts are just thoughts. They're not always true or factual. I can learn from this, and the next time it will be easier. At first, it may feel strange, but if you consistently use words of affirmation as a self-soothing technique during anxious moments, you will be able to own the words you are saying, and eventually even believe in them. There is no one size fits all. Some people may find it easier to journal their thoughts down to self-soothe. Some people may find it easier to say those words out loud, and some people may even need reminders during the day, such as reading the words from sticky notes. You can try all or some of these specific techniques we've laid out for you, and write down what works and what doesn't. Stick to, to the techniques that consistently work for you. Try and develop a routine for them, and observe how that plays out in your anxiety management toolkits. Strategy number four: seek or create a social support system. Don't keep your emotions bottled up. Even emotions like anger, sadness, which feed anxiety. Speak with your friends, family, anyone else you trust, or a therapist. Isolating yourself is not going to help. Neither will constant ruminating in your head about everything you're afraid of or unhappy about, with no answers and no endpoint. Allow yourself to cry when you need to, and if you're angry but have no one to vent to. Try lifting weights, going for a long walk, clean the kitchen, bathroom, and do some gardening. Who knows? You might find your support system by doing those that you like. It's very important to express your feelings and try to identify them, and know what you require from someone. Use your support network and the encouragement of others. To request or make the changes that will benefit you. If you don't already have a strong support network, take your time to build one. You can also be your own best friend. Don't judge yourself for your emotions. Go through a problem-solving process with pen and paper. Set goals with realistic timeframes. If my best friend was in this situation. What would I say to him or her? Try to ask yourself these questions. Practicing gratitude mindset is also very important to make others and you feel better. When you are grateful, you are happier. If you feel and express gratitude frequently, you may wake up each day feeling more positive and wanting to spend more time with others. Strategy number five: Try CBT and exposure therapy. CBT, 
Cognitive behavioral therapy is the most commonly used treatment for a wide range of anxiety and anxiety-related disorders. CBT has five main components. The first is education. It teaches you to distinguish between helpful and unhelpful worry, encouraging a more accepting and proactive response to it. The second is monitoring, which includes learning how to identify your triggers, as well as tracking your progress. The third component of CPT is training you in relaxation techniques, which reduces your body's fight or flight response during times of stress and anxiety. The fourth component is cognitive control strategies, which involve challenging negative thought patterns after they have been realistically evaluated. The final component of CPT is behavioral strategies, in which you are taught to confront situations that make you feel anxious rather than to avoid them. And this last component is very much related to exposure therapy, which we will discuss later. Exposure therapy can be an extremely useful tool in battling against your anxiety. CBT helps and studies back me up. Studies and reviews of 13 controlled clinical trials show that CBT produces clinical improvements in both anxiety and depression that outperform no treatment and non-specific control conditions. And in some cases, cognitive therapy alone or behavioral therapy alone at both post-therapy and follow-up. CBT is also associated with low dropout rates, long-term improvements, and the greatest within-group and between-group effect sizes when compared to other comparison conditions. Now let's talk about exposure therapy. Exposure therapy is a type of CBT that is especially beneficial for people who suffer from anxiety, anxiety disorders, phobias, or obsessive-compulsive disorder, also known as OCD. In simple terms, exposure therapy is learning how to face your fears by, well, facing your fears. One of the most important steps in anxiety management is to confront your fears. This is known as exposure. If you've been avoiding certain situations, places, or objects out of fear, it's time to start exposing yourself to them so you can overcome your fears in the long run. However, it is usually easier to begin with something that isn't too frightening and then work up to things that cause a lot of anxiety. Begin by making a list of your most feared situations, places, or objects, such as saying hi to a co-worker, entering a crowded grocery store, taking a bus, or anything else you want to avoid. 
Once you've made a list, try to arrange it from the least scary to most scary. Beginning with the situations that cause the least anxiety, try to repeatedly enter and remain in that situation until you notice your anxiety decreasing. When you can enter that situation on multiple occasions without feeling anxious, you can move on to the next item on the list. Usually in therapy, your therapist will instruct you to perform this exposure exercise three times per day. After the first few times, you'll notice that your anxiety doesn't rise as high and lasts as long. You will then be prepared to progress to a more difficult situation. This procedure should be repeated until you've dealt with all the items and situations you wish to conquer. Exposure therapy may entail spending 6 to 15 hours with the therapist or using self-help books or computer programs. To overcome your problems, you must regularly practice the exercises. It is also important to note that this example of what happens in therapy regarding exposure therapy treatment does not apply to all mental health practitioners and it can vary greatly depending on the therapist and the country. All of our strategies for managing and alleviating your anxiety have been discussed, explained and laid out. Our final piece of advice is to believe in yourself. Self-confidence is the ability to believe that you can deal with whatever life throws at you. Trust in yourself entails overcoming insecurity and taking the risk of trusting oneself. When you're anxious, your trust muscle has atrophied and your insecurity has muscle bound. Take small risks to strengthen your muscles. As you practice acceptance, your trust muscle will strengthen and you will recognize that life can be handled more spontaneously as it unfolds, rather than abstractly in your mind before anything ever happens. So, how about you? Which of our strategies were you already aware of? Which strategies are you most interested in attempting? What personal strategies do you or others you know have? for dealing with anxious thoughts and feelings? We would love to learn from your strategies and thoughts on this episode. Please let us know via email or in the comments section below. This brings us to the end of today's Inquisitive Tea Psychology. We hope you found it informative and helpful with the five anxiety coping and management strategies we discussed in this podcast episode. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you enjoy our educational psychology and mental health content. Our audio podcast is available here on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, and or Anchor. If you have any suggestions or requests for future videos, please email us at inquisitivet at yahoo.com. Leave them in the comment section below 
or contact us through our Ankar website. Set the notification alarm to stay up to date because we upload once a week or every two weeks. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you next week. Continue to be inquisitive.